Today is a fun day. Yeah, it is. It's a Monday. We had a blast with Merrill. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very, I got to say, Mark, you, I really appreciate you pushing the boundaries of what we do. And um, God darn it. Sorry about that. My alarm just went off. Um, no one heard it. All right, good. But yeah, that was fun to do that round robin improv thing we did. Yep. And you were in a mood today too, which helped a lot. You're <laughs> definitely Mr. Sassy. Uh, yeah. I thought that we all kind of flowed together. Very. It was a nice combination of fun frivolity and a little bit of in-depth. Uh, and vulnerability. Meryl really stepped up to the plate and shared herself fully. Like she talked about some pretty sensitive things, I thought. And I love the human side of the Moped Outlaws podcast, especially with a charismatic, fun-loving, entertaining, funny, sexy, powerful woman like Meryl. And one of the tribe. Sis or no? Levin, 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 Levin. Two outlaws on the lamb, taking the back roads through America. You can't drink enough coffee for this show. And now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws, Greg and Mark. And we're live with another episode of Moped Outlaws. And we're here with our very special guest, Meryl. I forgot your last name. Clemo. I, I was going to brief you before, but yeah. <laughs> well, I and I was like, I do not want to mispronounce this. So tell us how you pronounce it. it and I realized I probably should have like waited for the big intro, but now I'm already here. Ah! Um, yeah. So it's, it's Meryl Clemo. Clemo. No, awesome. We Welcome don't have big intros. Yeah. Yeah. It was as if like, I like just like came out of the curtain and now I have to pull the curtain back and now I'm here again. I see you're ready to take notes on us. You've got your pen. I'm ready. You're going to, like, cancel us if we say the wrong thing? No, you're already canceled in my book in a good way. Hey, awesome. By the way, you know your pre-cancel culture site is down. I know. You know, that's not – it's it's not anything, like, conspiracy-wise. It's because I'm too lazy and I didn't follow through with my own business. <laughs> got it. You got canceled. Yeah. You canceled I don't know how people, like, stick with things that they launch. I, I'm bad at that. I always need, like, another partner to do stuff along with me because I'll have these, like, big ideas and then about three – yeah, you're like that. See, it's good to have someone to keep you in check because I'll have these, like, great ideas or I think they're great and then about, like, four months later I just get tired of it and then it just falls to the way side if greg oh, wasn't he, driving this moped it would go nowhere see that's so good You're, are you like the outlaw portion of it no we're both outlaws in fact okay, he's more okay. of an outlaw than me in some ways but but he knows how to start the engine fire up the thing and steer and and i kind of just get on the back and go for a ride see? occasionally i'll drive if my internet isn't dead that's so helpful too. I I love. I partnered with two other people for pre canceled, and I, they're not going to listen to this because they're spacey. But I love them so much. But they're like two other artists, very out in the out of this planet type people, and it's like that is not who I need to be partners with because they like forget the logins to our password and everything is very ethereal. So uh, that's what happens when you have like three kind of crazy people that run a business. 
Right. But here's the thing, like all the artists I respect have that grounded element of getting shit done. I know. I know. That's what I've realized, too, is having that, too. But yeah, it's hard. It's brutal. I know. Yeah. And it's just that like that consistency where like I, once I think I lost the password to our pre-canceled Instagram and then I just never we've never logged in again. <laughs> it lies there, like, yeah, I'll have a dream for like eight years and then something one tiny thing will happen. And then I'm like, I actually don't care that much. I find that with love relationships. It's like, oh, I love you. Wait, no, I don't. <laughs> oh my god, mine is the mine's the opposite. Should I tell you guys really quick? About- yeah, sure. We, okay. we, so we're here for it all. Ju- this is juicy. I'm currently living. He's not home now, but I'm living with my ex. Of it's been like nine months since we broke up. Oh my god, it is getting the holidays together. <laughs> yeah, we've done all the holidays together and it's very uh my friends don't really like my situation, but he's wonderful, so Do you have breakup wow. sex once a week? No, we actually truly, truly have not that was the one of the issues when we broke up is we weren't even having like real sex in like, months. So yeah. <laughs> That'd be so funny if like that's one of the big issues you break up and then like that starts happening. I know. I know. Well, we did that actually did. We broke up like way back seven years back. And then during like the breakup time was always like our favorite sexual time. But yeah, you guys went through COVID together. We went through COVID together. Like, I I mean, he's wonderful. I I like him as a person, but we just kind of he kind of initiated the breakup, even though I knew it had to happen and I knew it was coming. But like then, like, you know, I love men, but then he didn't really have a plan for our breakup. So then I was like, okay, we broke up on a random Sunday. Like, do you want me to move out? And then he was like, no, 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 please no. And then now it's been like nine months later. And wow, I, like we've, we've been working on stuff. So, you know, there's a know. Christmas movie there. And there definitely is. And he's a postman too. He's a post office guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love it. Like you should start writing the basic outline of the Christmas movie right yeah, now. Yeah, I should. And he collects taxidermy. So like, it's just me and his stuffed fox in this room alone a lot and stuff. That is wow. crazy. He's a, he's a male person. He's a mm-hmm. taxidermist. No, he just collects it. He doesn't he's do it. He's an oddities collector. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it kind of does have the signs of, you know, Norman psycho to it. Oh, yeah. He's, he's even said that too. But once again, he would have to have someone to help him carry it out. So I think he- well, I'll tell you what, Meryl, maybe we should set up weekly check-ins to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Are you I told him before, I'm like, do you promise you won't murder me? Especially if I like move out and stuff. But then he, I, I don't, we've talked about this at length. I don't think he'd murder me. Well, Especially if you now walk that into it's the living room and there's plastic on the floor, just turn around and walk out. <laughs> or if um, he suddenly yeah. decides to want to watch that TV show about the serial killer that I can't remember the name of right now, uh, Dexter. Dexter. You oh yeah, that was a good one. Oh, God, I that was watched good. it. Those kind of psychological things kind of get under my skin. Make me feel ashamed about my past. No, that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> they give me good ideas. Anybody who's watched Dexter knows what Greg is talking about. <laughs> well, Mel, wait a minute, though. Because hey, you're, you're talking about how you have trouble committing, but mm-hmm. you're a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. From my own very little experience with it, that is a soul. Like, you, there is no one helping you in that thing no i mean in some ways i've i have had some help from other like more established comics so you know i've i've been lucky in the way that i've had the kind of mentors that have helped me um 
I've had like one really good one that this comedian that I love so much, Ian Abramson. I give him a shout out. He's wonderful. And he, he was the first one where he like sat me down and kind of gave me like true notes and kind of more format that I now still work under. So I've had people and I feel like I have other peers that I perform with and they'll help me in terms of telling me about opportunities or if they, they just did a show, they'll recommend me to a producer. So I feel like there's stuff that, that helps me, but in terms of the actual, like getting up on stage and dealing with all the emotional and physical stuff that comes with stand up, you're right. It is a very like loner type thing, which I think is maybe why I like it too, because you, you have to, no matter what, like go up and do your set. And then it's kind of over for better or worse afterwards. And then it's like on to the next one, you know? Right. For some and reason, I suspect it's for better with, in your case. Aw, thank you. Most times, yes. Sometimes it's been for worse. <laughs> but but I definitely found that, like, any kind of weird or bad shows I've had have been directly because of, like, I didn't prepare for them enough. Or, you know, mm. there's been shows that I've kind of been a little bit like, I don't need this. I got this. And then I'm like, I'll just talk to them for eight minutes. And then I go up and it completely goes sideways. But um, but even that. i for you. Yeah, yeah. One of of the things I do is I practice um, developing material in the grocery checkout line with the check. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's a good one. (laughs) Because those people will not laugh. I know. I know. Or if you comment on like what someone's buying, it's it gets weird. Yeah. Right. So if you got material and they laugh, that's you keep that. That's see, that's very good. Don't I bombed yesterday at the grocery store. Yeah. You did? Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay because I, I have fun bombing. Like, yeah. I really figure good. out if they don't realize how funny I am, that's their problem. <laughs> I've really only seen like one or two other comedians for over like five or six years. I've only seen one or two people like truly, really, really bomb to the point where it was like, you know, bad, bad, like bad, where they started turning on the audience and it was just horrible all around. But like, I've, I've seen awkward shows where people just politely laugh and like, or I've seen crowds. I've done shows where there's like four people in the audience and it's like, okay, that's just all weird flat. and awkward. But there's one, one show I saw where the guy just like really was not doing well. And then he told the audience that they were acting Caucasian, which like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> of course you don't. And it was, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was like a battle of comedy. And then afterwards, like it was so bad, the host got up and said, oh, we know one person that's not going to win tonight. And it was just like so bad. <laughs> oh, so was that a competition even? Yeah, it was kind of one of those things. There was like 12 of us and then they paraded us out on stage afterwards and the audience clapped for us. I think I came in second or third, but this guy mm-hmm. was like, like terrible, terrible. And I, I felt bad for him because I was like, oh, I didn't know it could be that bad. Like, so well, yeah. Who's that guy from um, um, Seinfeld who had the infamous? Oh, the Kramer. Yeah, Michael yeah. Richards. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, that was so awkward and weird. You know, what's really interesting is I heard him with Jerry talking about it like a year afterwards. And he said he forgot why he was there. He forgot that he was there for the audience. Yeah. And, um, so it sounds like a very similar thing with this guy you're talking about, you know, like, Getting all caught up in like you're against me, or instead of I'm supposed to be helping you laugh. That's yeah, and I can see very easily how comedy can start to be, even though it's all about trying to make people laugh or you know making having fun. It is. It could be like a very depressing type of situation. Like you're in a bar all the time. You're by yourself. You're watching your peers get other opportunities or not. So I think it is. You do have a responsibility to still work on like your inner 
peace and happiness. And it sounds like with this guy, he was already probably, you know, who knows if drugs and alcohol were involved, all that stuff. He might have walked into the living room that morning. There was plastic on the floor. <laughs> he was still living with his ex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> do you use this uh, current living situation? In your oh, routine? my God. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, it, it has been good. That's almost why I'm, like, still in it. But, um, yeah, it's oh. been my, when, we, when he was my boyfriend at the time, he did not like to come to shows where I talked about how little we had sex and everything. So. Oh my God, that's hilarious. It's almost like a show like The Odd Couple. Like you could, again, you could write a TV show about this situation. Yeah. Situation comedy about how, you, you know, the signal for who's having sex tonight, they have to leave a sock on the door or something like that. Yes. Socks are grody. Like, can it be something cute, like <laughs> the elf on the shelf or whatever? And, and <laughs> one of his taxidermy things or something. Yeah. Right. If the if the fox's tail is pointing yeah. down, not come in the bedroom. The fox has to look away in shame. What does the fox say? Um, all right. So another question just popped in my head. Was that guy really asleep in that clip you posted? Yes. Yes, he was. It was a very sweet, older, little Asian man. And he, he fell asleep during like a couple. And he was, it was very, very nice where he wasn't being disrespectful. Last week, I actually did he a show where another man was sleeping the in the audience. <laughs> what did you say? I said he was just tired from working on the railroad. Oh, he, he was so sweet. Yeah. And so he, he was like really sleeping and then he, he was trying to laugh and stuff. But then last week I did a show and there was a guy wearing a turtleneck who like drunk fell asleep in the audience. Oh God. Wow. So have you given any thought to hitting the road? I would love to. That is definitely like something that is on my list for this year and for probably next year. I, I prefer to do shows outside of Los Angeles, like for sure. Um, I just did some shows in New Orleans and it had a really good time. Oh, right um, on. I've done like one or two shows in Austin. I'm from the East Coast originally, so I would like love, love, love to go back there. And, you know, obviously New York is on everyone's like right, wish right. list. But to me, I'd rather do more of like the, like, I don't know, just send me to some weird place in Texas. Gloria. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, like, Minneapolis, I'm really wanting to go to. Um, so, yes, that is on my list. Well, I hear that Joe Rogan's club that he opened is, like, comedy heaven. Yeah, people love it. Yep, so that is for... Is that in Austin? Yep. Yeah. Mothership or something, I think it's called? Yeah, Mothership. And part of what I've heard is, like, all the things that comics want, you know, like a timing where you could see when your time's coming up for stage time. Yeah. Right there by the door, a small light lighting the way to the stage. Just things that the little details that if you've ever been through the slog of trying to get a good comedy comic exp- appearance happening, you know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, a club in San Diego that's really great that just opened up uh, or just refurbished called Mic Drop. And it's like the little things where in their green room, they have a glass case of candy and they have condoms in it too. And it's like, even just those little stupid things make people so excited. And then we get, I think each show you get like $150 as like a group towards it. And so just seeing comics so excited that they could afford like a $12 drink is like, you know, it's those little things that make people really excited. So do you think condoms are really important to comedians? I mean, comics, it just seems like that's for rock and roll lead singers. Like, but I know we don't have a lot of, I think they're important in general because I think there's too many children on the planet. Okay. Got so it. I think like all types of prevention for people having too many babies is important. 
Right. But, but how many comics are having sex in the green like, room? I mean, like, not a lot. They're not even having sex in general. Look at me. I'm living with my ex for nine months. Yeah. Well, from what I heard, Louis C.K., like he, he had sex in the green room. Right. He just showed people his own. Well, that wasn't really sex, though. Yeah. Just that was masturbation own- sex. <laughs> ask your mother, Teresa. She'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, but it's almost like it's almost like all the comics I know, including myself, are like little children. So just having condoms, and you know, it's like I don't know. Everyone reacts the same way like a seven-year-old would. It's like a party favor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're not using it for adult purposes. So have you I, done any screen roles or anything involving like TV or film? Some stuff, yeah. Um, I just had my friend had a, a pilot come out. This is so funny, but it was on Asian. They're Asian, and it was called um, A Brand New Yay. And so it was. It ended up being on, like, an Asian TV channel. So mm-hmm. I was the main woman in that where they, like, give someone a makeover. I played a, a widow, um, and then they, like, remake me and stuff. So that was cool. And then I've been on a bunch of times. I have friends that will ask me to be on. Um, they'll be on the shows like the view or there was one on CBS called face the truth where I played like a hot mess that they had to make about a lot of makeover shows. Cause I think <laughs> people really want to make me over. So that was one where they like, they came and filmed me eating rotisserie chicken and like, just like a cave woman. Like I was in a whole mess. And then I appeared in the studio audience afterwards and I came out in high heels and like everyone clapped. So yeah. That's yeah. so fun. Wow. It was very geeky, but I don't know who you, you guys know who the actress Vivica Fox is. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she was like she's the main woman of that show, and she was like so nice. And I was like not flirting with her, but I was like we were telling jokes, and she winked at me at some point. I'm like, oh my god, is Vivica Fox flirting with me? <laughs> if she was, would you be interested? Yeah, yeah. If she was, would you be interested? Um. No, probably not. I don't like women, but I mean, Vivica Fox is different. I could probably be talked into anything she wanted to do. <laughs> Hours of seduction are strong. Exactly. <laughs> so you're you're willing to sleep your way to the top? Yeah, to the middle or something. Yeah, if it's okay. Vivica Fox, maybe not with like Woody Allen or anything. But oh god, well, you're probably too old for Woody. Allen. I know that's true, and not related enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you like after or sag or something? Are you getting like res- No, and I'm actually happy during this time I haven't been sag. Like that is something that I've kind of held off for because a lot of the roles that I've been doing have just been like non-union. Um some of my friends are here, but then that is something I was looking into, but honestly the past couple of years I've been very grateful to not have anything sag related, so I've been able to kind of jump on a little bit more. Got so- it. Are you, are you from Philadelphia? I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, are your parents still around? Yep. I love them very much. And they just moved, they just retired to San Diego. So. Oh, wow. That is something I talk about a lot in comedy is like being extra close with them. Like we're very, very too close. Yeah. Maybe you'll end up moving back in with them. No, believe me. No, they said I have three weeks with them if I wanted to live with them. (laughs) Three weeks that you can use, and then once it's up, you're done. Then I have to go. Yeah, no, they they said you need to fly out of the coop because they know that I would like still live inside of them. I would too. I know. Where are you guys? We're in Northern California, not far from San Francisco. Oh, nice. It's called Marin County. (sighs) I know exactly where that is. Okay, so other Californians in the house. That's right. We're about to get disturbed, but it'll be very quick. What's happening? Are you getting a package delivered? 
something's happening. My dog behind me is scratching themselves. You could probably hear that too. It's actually not my dog. It's I'm dog sitting for my friend Tomas and uh, you're muted, Greg, just so you know, you're muted. And uh, uh, well, do you have aspirations? Like what, as you stand in the mirror and say your affirmations, mm-hmm. those are my affirmations, by the way. Oh, I love those. I wish I could right. read them. I'll read them to you if you want. Maybe yeah, not on the air. Okay. Um, afterwards, I want to hear them. But when you do that, do you like have a vision for yourself? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? That is such a good is there, question. Is there something beyond campfire shit show podcasts? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Beyond. <laughs> yes. I, I dream a little bit bigger than that. Not like, not as big, but, um, my, my goal, it sounds so weird, but it's not like a specific, like stand up this or that. It's always like to be kind of expressing myself in the moment as much as I like in the medium that feels right to me. I mean, that sounds like such a bullshit answer, but like I I've been hyper specific in the past, my whole life about like career things and things I wanted to do. Like for a while it was music industry and I worked at a venue and it was more podcasting and that's what it's been the past couple of years. And now it's more comedy, but for this, like it's not really like, I will have little things here and there, like performing in new Orleans was a, a big like dream of mine. But for the most part, it's more to be like, connected and aligned with more of like my general purpose. And I don't feel like I've found that completely yet to be quite honest, but it seems like it's shifted over the past couple of years. Um, and shifted in what way shifted in a way that I find myself being less like people pleasery and doing mm. a bunch of jobs just because I like could do them or because I, in my past lives, I have done that. So I really feel like the past couple of years, I mean, I think the pandemic did this for all of us too, but I've really been like, what is my identity? What am I just doing? Because I like think it's a projection of what people want from me versus like what actually makes me happy. If it's any consolation, I was up at 3 a.m. throwing the I Ching and asking it, who am I? Yeah. And I, I don't like, who am I being associated like with one job or what brand or something? You know, I think it could be multifaceted. Did you find part of this shift was shifting from supporting other people's dreams to supporting your own? A hundred percent. That's a really, really good one is I found like, even with our podcast, we were constantly having people on. And I think I was more trying to like attach myself to them or become friends with them or, and like just, osmosis like become successful or something and then i'm like wait this is going to be a more of a solo endeavor um so yeah it's been like really figuring out in the past couple of years i am not quite sure i don't feel like i'm using my like i'm not tapped into my like greatest greatest highest self yet but i'm a work in progress um, the life coach in me is just dying to start down that road with you, but I promise, Greg, I won't do that on our good, show. Thank you. <laughs> um, I feel like I need—I'm easily moldable, but I'm very like, uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm just like a lump of clay that right now. Well, I'm wondering did what I was attempting to ask before my world erupted. Um, <laughs> do your parents support? your life and the choices beyond like so much to the point where maybe that maybe has made me a little bit complacent where I feel like I'll always just get to things I'm good at, but not really go to like the great level of things where they're like, be, like beyond supportive and very proud of me at every turn. So they need to be a little, I need a little more shame to work harder. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I've just been listening to this book about Paul Simon and his mom said to him, you have a good voice, 
but Artie has a fantastic voice. Whoa! <laughs> and he's all, obviously that's lived for me for a while because, you know, that was like 20 years after his mom said it. It's still... Whoa! So yeah, well, she's my, right. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Post him, yeah, I know. He has good lyrics. He's got great lyrics. Oh, my God. Oh, he's a fantastic musician. He's one of the great gifts of the 21st, 20th century, 21st century. I yeah. Think. But she's dead on. Art, Art Garfunkel, Artie as she was affectionately Aww. called, has such a masterful voice or had such a masterful voice. Was he, uh, have, or have they both passed away or no? Or, no. no. Okay. No, I don't think either one has. Right. Okay. Good. I know I, I made that implication accidentally. Sorry. <laughs> but you know that feeling, I don't know if you guys feel this or not, but I, a lot of times I'll be like, do I want to live on a farm somewhere? Or do I want to go to like a small town? But then I'm like, and then what? And like, you know, that feeling, which I, I think is kind of confused, <laughs> excuse me, confusing. Yeah. I think part of what I've been tripping on with success is that joyful feeling and having this idea, okay, if this comes, then I will be joyful as that. And realizing, oh, wait a minute. Right. Life still is going to exist. Exactly. Exactly. I think now I, I've, I'm, I have like the grateful feeling already. Like I'm starting on a foundation of like feeling a lot of gratefulness and I like nature and I like all that stuff. And I'm not really waiting to be like, oh, there's an outside thing that's going to show me I'm someone. Like I already feel like I'm here and, you know, doing just fine. But it's that other, it's like the outward expression. <laughs> So you've talked about your higher self and things like that. Do you have a spiritual element to your process in life? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think for me, it's walking. Like, you know, I, I walk a lot and I definitely try to notice nature. And I think that really grounds me and just connects me to like not being so in my head about like my own experience or, you know, that makes me feel like I'm already part of something bigger. Um, and yeah, for me, like nature is like probably the biggest thing and just being alone in nature and um, spiritually, I think like I'm, I'm guilt, not guilty or I'm, I am guilty of this, but not like eating well, or <laughs> you know, like I, I haven't been on my eating game, but to me, like at the times when I was juicing and drinking lemon water and stretching, like I was getting a lot more kind of creative downloads. And I really do think for some people, if you're really sensitive, like what you eat completely really does affect you like so much, you know, I know some people can eat steaks and eat like crazy stuff and just go and perform and be fine. But for me, there's like a direct kind of like stream that is flowing when I'm being really healthy. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like, gosh, darn, I just forgot his name, Chris um, Farley. Oh, yeah. yeah I, know, I, wish I, was, I wish I could be more like that. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Like, obviously, like in John Belushi before him, and there's been plenty of high-level performers whose life imploded because... Yeah, Elvis. I feel like if I had, like, real fame, I would be Elvis, like, eating peanut butters and bananas on the toilet. Fried sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had to stop myself. That is definitely a big part of stuff. Like after a show, whether it goes not great or great, like not coming home and like stuffing myself with food, you know? Yeah. I found that when I was doing stand up for a while, even like if it was a great show, I'd have all this energy yeah. and I'd eat garbage. As Yeah. Cause you just want to like take yourself and kind of calm yourself, but yeah. yeah. So trying to find a way to 
be with that energy in a healthy way. That's a that's a good challenge. To- yeah. But like I, I love that I love that this is going this place too. But I definitely always consider myself like kind of a spiritual seeker, and like you know, I'm I've always had that since I've been little. And my mom would always have to tell me not to kind of like I would want to go into a library and find like the Zen Buddhist books, or and that's always been a side of me that's really interested in that kind of stuff. So how do you bring that into stand up comedy? Um, I really try to take time before and get quiet and visualize just like what I'm doing and what's my purpose. And then when people, when I hear from people, whether it's like friends or audience members, uh, like how it, how it affects their mood, you know, like how just comedy, I really try to take that in and I'm like, okay, someone else is having like an experience where they need to laugh or they need uplifting. And so um, that is like my service, you know, it sounds so pretentious, but I try to, really think about that and and also really really take trying to take the ego as much as possible out of it of course like we're all crazy like ego addicts and stuff but for me like trying to get over it and if i have a show where i'm like going up first or they spell my name wrong or you know something just realizing like okay you can be professional but you don't have to be like this is not all about you yeah i think part of what I love with comedy is it's a real celebration. It's like being at the best party when it's going well. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's what I, and like moving to LA and doing comedy, it's like you're, you're in the mix with like other all egos too. (laughs) And so it's like, whoa, that definitely kind of sometimes feels like I'm getting like knocked over a little bit. And so, um, just kind of like trying to stay strong in my roots. And I think having like family and I I have very, very long time friends that like from second or third grade that I feel like they're a big part of my spiritual practice just because they are almost like me and, you know, we're, we know each other so well. So that's definitely something that's like, I cherish. So have you um, gone to the store? Yeah. Yep. I've done the main room uh, two times and then the small room a bunch of times. It's cool. It was really cool. All right. Damn. So you really are, you're working it. I'm working my little way. Yeah, I'm working my way. I've been lucky in the way that there are some great producers and great promoters. Another tough part here, which I'm sure you've had too, is like there's a lot of bringer shows where like you can do these shows, but a lot of times they'll require you to bring seven or eight people. You know, it's that kind of like sell you tickets that you then resell or something. Yeah. 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 And in the first couple of months, I went, it was like Girl Scout cookies where I was just buying my own tickets and then trying to like pawn them off on people. So that's also my next kind of like hopeful thing that I bring in is a little bit more of like an organic fan base or or more um just kind of like normal people that just want to go to shows other than like begging my same four friends to come yeah i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the relationship between vulnerability and good comedy like is it really important to be totally uh, like out there or does inhabiting a character actually work better for you which way do you think it goes um that is that's really good i think for me like starting with vulnerability of like, okay, what are the things I'm super vulnerable about? Like probably my weight, my eating, my, you know, lack of intimacy connection and stuff. And those things, like it takes confidence to be able to be like, I'm going to stand on stage and do it. But for me, people tend to feel sad for me. If I just go up and I'm like vulnerable, I have to more craft it into a character, you know? And it's like, okay, I, and this is already like true, but I'm, I'm more of a person that's like, okay with being a little bit chubby or like, I hate children. And it's like, 
to the max amped up, you know? So it's like, it's already there and, but it's like covered in like candy shells of just for me, a character. What's the the secret to taking that vulnerability and transparency and shifting it into something that's funny? Oh, um, that's, I mean, I, I think it's like individual for everyone, but for me, it's like, it's trying to find the angles and going past what we already think about, like, you know, going past, like, okay, say I'm like, <clears throat> whatever, overweight, like the normal thoughts, the groove that people would already have is like, I shouldn't go out in public or like, I shouldn't, I should feel bad about myself for this. And then like, what's eight steps past that of like, what's different angles that people wouldn't feel. So it's almost to me, like I take a situation of like, I don't really like children or I, I knew I didn't want to have children. And it's like, okay, but like, how soon could I have thought that? Okay. I thought that I knew three days, I was a three day year old and I knew I didn't want to have kids or like, you know, like going through different things of kind of like, this is the statement and the vul- the vulnerable piece. And then this is like the, um, the alternative ways that like, you know, you see it. Right. Awesome. I, I, got this, <laughs> I got this image in my head of you going out on stage with the song Pride of the Valkyries playing and making a peanut butter and banana sandwich and eating it to the tune of Pride <laughs> of the Valkyries. Oh, my God. I, I would love that. And I just throw the banana peel at the audience at the end. <laughs> that sounds a little Andy Kaufman-esque. <laughs> I, I, I realized that, too, which was part of why I didn't say it before. But then I did say it because I can't keep anything brilliant like that down. <laughs> but, and, and like taking the things too, like that you hate that make me so mad. Like I hate hummus. I hate, uh, you know, like, or like on the, the inverse side, like I really like ugly men. Like that's my type of man. And so I talk about that on stage, just things that like kind of make you, you. And, and for me, that's like, I love hearing that from other people too. Fuck. I just had a spark of an idea. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay with it? What if you like part of the routine is you're talking about ugly man and you invite it, you invented an app that you swear wipe left for the guys you want to go out with. No, I love that. Like it, it's like just rejects. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually you. had a show where like two guys, I said, I like ugly men and two guys started to get into a fight of like, who was uglier <laughs> in the audience. I'm like, that is such a difference between men and women too. It's like the guys were like standing up being like, he's uglier. He's uglier. You know, the other thing would be is if you got Tinder to once someone had 10,000 swiped lefts on themselves, you got an email with their, with their contact information. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what do you do when you have those moments of small hopelessness? Like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Um, eat a big block of cheese. <laughs> but then I move past that. And then um, then I really, really, really get into action where I'm like, okay, like I'm normally busy at my own kind of other jobs, like as a freelancer. And so I think I'm, I don't let myself sit around and wallow a lot. And I also do put myself out there. Like I'm not afraid to get rejected. I've applied to for festivals where I have gotten in. I've applied to like comedy festivals where I haven't gotten in. And like that moment of rejection, I feel like just like an animal, I kind of just let it process. Like I'll go for a walk or I'll let it kind of like physically go through me. of just like, but I also make sure I feel that pain of like, it is rejection or it is a feeling of like, being a loser and stuff. And so then, but I, I, I really do try to process things like pretty quickly. Do you have any regular gigs besides LA girl 
for your yeah so my main main job job is i um i work at i work in podcasting so that's my that's been my job since 2016 i work at a podcast production company oh, wow. uh, and then i help people launch their podcast um and then i have a bunch of awesome clients that i help them i like write for their podcast which is also really good i think kind of just keeps me active in of writing in general and then like the ability to write in other voices um other people's tones how has this that experience helped you with your own podcast? Um, it has helped in the way where I've seen mistakes that other podcasters have made of you know just not keeping regular with with their own podcasts on uh, their own schedules. Also, sometimes like there'll be a guest that we've had on that then I would recommend to another show. So just kind of like overall being part of a bigger network. Got it. Regularity. Regularity. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things that Greg has really, really brought to the table in this partnership. He has made sure that we have been on the air every week for three years without fail. Wow. And it really takes something. And that's like, it's honestly, Greg's like sweating now. <laughs> it's fun because next week we're recording our Christmas uh, special. That's because our podcast launches on Monday and we're, I'm excited this year because it's on Monday. It's going to come out on Monday. Oh, and fun. The guy we're doing it with is like, uh, he's canceled and rescheduled and done like all these shenanigans. And oh, I, just, I don't even know if he's going to make it like, but oh, um, I, I love the idea of this. Like every week showing up for this is like the highlight of my, yeah. it'll be a Christmas miracle if he comes. But I think that for what I'm not able to kind of do with like the whole pre canceled and stay on track that way. I love the idea of having like with my clients, I don't think I've ever missed like one of their, if an episode comes out on a Tuesday or like, I love that kind of thing that you can bet on where like every Wednesday or like just setting things, it helps my brain. For the work you're doing, helping podcast shows is part of your responsibility to help them gain audience from talking to a friend of mine. He said like 10,000 is the minimum listenership where revenue is even going to yeah. start being talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those, all those ad networks and everything are like, great. Talk to us when you get 10,000 downloads and stuff. Um, some of the, I definitely don't do that as part of my like built in service just because it is so tough for each client, like building their own, but I will help them with like guest booking, um, which obviously would help them if they get bigger guests and stuff. And then, um, setting them up in all the different channels and everything, but the day-to-day marketing, not to, I, I tend to like keep away from that just because, you know, then it's like people expect uh, a lot or, or they're looking at the numbers. Like it's like the stock market or something. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh no. Then you have to ride the roller coaster with them. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of companies I have will start big because it'll be like their marketing budget as a podcast. And then it will go down after a while if they're not seeing the right kind of things. But I, I love my clients. I like, I get a lot of really cool. I, I, I feel like I only work with like people that I love and. Well, like, that's cool. So cool. It sounds like your responsibility is really to help them stay on track as a podcast entity. Yes. And the marketing and audience, that'll be either theirs or someone else's responsibility. Exactly. Yep. And almost like the, there's also a lot of the kind of that nitty gritty, like picking where the, uh, I have one client that does have ads and then like where her three ad breaks go in and, you know, just like writing the show notes and making sure everything's like listed and all that stuff. Do you do that for your own show? Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Wow. You've got to be able to do. Um, Bo, my partner, my podcast partner, he does like the editing, editing, and then we lo- I load it up all in and put all the stuff there. And Wow. It sounds yeah. like you really love that, and then you're doing pretty good with that. Yeah. There's like a part of my brain that needs that. I think that's even as much as I kind of like the like on stage stuff. I, I think I need both elements of it, you know, more. Yeah, the grounded day-to-day work thing. And yeah. The, the fly high, super stratospheric ride to the stars <laughs> when people love you for who you really are. Oh, you know, I'd love it. And funny. Mm. Yeah. I, have you given any thought to writing, producing, Presenting your own shows in Southern um, like in comedy shows, or even for um, streaming slash TV, kind of like the Whitney Cummings path, you know? Yeah, I have not given much thought to it. I've given seven seconds of thought to it. And that was right now. But yeah. well, <laughs> why I bring it up because part of what I'm hearing is your love for being on stage in front of the camera. Yeah, but you also love the administrative slash producer aspects of getting a show on the boards. Yes, a hundred percent. Oh my god, you guys are like what I what I love this. This is helping me Well, write it down. No. It was so funny because even just before I was like just Googling like single family farms to live in by yourself. I'm like, this is a lot. This sounds a lot better of a plan to like actually oh do something. Oh my god. Yes, yeah, the quickest way to be have your farm on you know Kauai that you go to for a few months and then you come back. Yeah. And- I always think that way where I'm like, I'll, I'll research stuff. I'm like, why don't I just actually like try get put in some effort and then I can afford a farm. Well, like you said too, there is that aspect of this dreams alive in you. And if yeah. you find yourself in bumfuck nowhere on a farm, still dreaming, but now you're thousands of miles away yeah. from the epicenter. Yes. And I think we all have a level too of like, um, the, not fear of success, but of like, okay, I think I can go like this high and then allowing yourself to almost like take it to the next level. I just, this week was uh, contemplating because I'm 61 years old. Wow. There's an element of attempting a career in the entertainment industry at this age is ridiculous. So I thought, you know, it's kind of like a race, like, Will I make it or will I die first? I know. I feel that way a lot, too. But I, I still feel like people can nowadays, like, it's not, I think it's not as, like, a death sentence as it once was in entertainment. And especially with, like, commercials. And I think, that, I don't know, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity. There is. And I think, as you said earlier, there is the just personal responsibility of one's happiness, which really has nothing to do with the outward choices. Like no matter what choices we have in our life, we're going to have this challenge of inner happiness. Yes. Yes. I think that is, that is definitely something that I, I even thought that the other day I I was at an event and we got like very nice, but we got gifted these very expensive, like $600 shoes, which are so nice. But my immediate thought was like, I don't care. I just want my Payless shoes. (laughs) And so I have a feeling too, that I really think this is the happy portion of life of like, living somewhat middle class, but you have enough, you're safe and like you have enough for your bills and your family. But like, I think like too much or too below is a struggle, but like, yeah. Yeah. And as I was saying last week with another guest, I have a couple friends who are very well off and they have problems. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Except a, having a personal chef would definitely solve a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no more of those bacon fried peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have them make like organic peanut butter for me and stuff. So. I did see this one interview with George Clooney. He opens up his fridge and there's all these boxed salads and stuff that his chef had just made. Oh. I was like, oh, there's some elements to wealth that seem. Yes, that, that is definitely worth it. And like being able to get a massage or acupuncture, like, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, as poor people, we have to be at death's door before neighbors start bringing us food. <laughs> or like, I do the budget version of everything in LA. Like, I'll go to all these weird massage clinics and stuff, and so I, I like live the lavish life, but it's all on a very like weird. Uh, it's like going to dental school for your dental treatment. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in hey. I used to live in San Diego, and we would I knew people that would go to Mexico all the time for their their dental work, and then they would come back and always have issues, but. Yeah. Wow. Um, you're just so effervescent, Meryl. Oh, thank you. Like, it's just a joy to be around you. And um, I know Greg hates this, but the only thing I can think of right now is we should do some improv right now. Yes, let's do it. Yes, and. All right. So we're going to start with this. We're going to do this rotating. Like, we're going to do things where one person gives the other two a scenario and two characters and then calls time when things hit the skids. Right. Okay. So we're going to start with you. Um, you're the director. Okay, I'm the director. And you're, you're going to give Greg and I each personas and a scenario. Okay. And then we're going to go for it. And it's like three minutes tops, but be, like cut us if we hit the skids. Just get oh us. My gosh, I love this. And then oh get, then it'll be God. Greg's turn. And then it'll be my turn. We'll go three rounds no, and that'll be it. Are you okay, okay. with this, Greg? Say yes. Should I make no. up names for you each? Yes. Sure. Okay. No, I'm not okay with it, but I'll do it. Great. He's he's grumpy guts. Okay, I love it. All right, you're up, Meryl. Give okay, it to I'm ready. Okay, uh, Mark, you, you're actually named Slavic, okay. and you are a 29-year-old superstar. Uh, and Greg, you are Marcel, and you are Slavic's parrot trainer. Parrot? And parrot trainer. Yep, you've come in to train his, his pet parrots are, like, oh. out of control. Okay. Um, but there's an underlying uh, sexual chemistry between you guys. <laughs> what's What's Greg's character's name? Marcel. 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 Okay. Yep, and he's he's a, a professional parrot trainer, and he's Got here. It. Slavic has had some like really big parrot issues. Okay, and action. Marcel, I am so glad you've come to my wonderful house. It's so beautiful. Look at all of the colors. And my parrots, they're beautiful, but they're pooping everywhere and they say the bad words all the time. I'm, oh, can you please help me? Yeah, I'm glad you called me. I'm here. Um, so, Slavic, the first thing I'd say is you have to really connect with your parrots, okay? You need to sit on the couch and watch the shows they want to watch, okay? Mimic the conversations they want to mimic. You need to parrot your parrots. <laughs> oh, I think that's brilliant. M Marcel, you're beautiful. Your soul is shining through. There's, I have these feelings inside. I can't explain. Please sit on my couch with me and demonstrate. I'd love to. So what we need is uh, a cup of tea. Does any of your parrots make tea? I will have my chef make the tea. Okay. Oh, I didn't know you had oh, a chef. Bring us the tea. Which kind would you like, Earl Grey or chamomile? Um, I like uh, peppermint. You don't have peppermint? 
I will make him find peppermint. <laughs> Boom, get the peppermint tea. It's almost Christmas. We should have it anyway. Oh, I can't believe this. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> so, Slavic, your, your accent's interesting. What part of the world are you originating from? I have two parents. They're from different parts of the world. One raised me nearby Russia, and the other, I don't know where we were. I was stoned. So you never met your second parent? No, I just don't remember them. Do you know their name? Uh, Gertrude was my mother, and Rex. I think Rex was his name, my father's name. So, uh, you know, I feel like I just really need to father you, you know, be be the parrot parent in your life. Oh, daddy. Yes. <laughs> Who's your daddy? Hansen. <laughs> that was good. Oh, I was hoping it would go the father, the the father road too. That's so funny. I was, I was hoping that there would actually be no parents. And he just told, he brought him here to tell him he was his father. Good job, everyone. So was that more fun than you thought, Greg? Yeah, I love doing this stuff. Okay. Um, as the director, I have to come up with a name for you, Greg. Greg, you are... Um, oh, we're really going to go through... Th- okay, yeah. We- yeah, we're going to do three of these. We've got time. Yeah. We're going to do it quick. You are um, Hans. No, no. Um, you're, you're James, and you are a accomplished singer who's left a band who wants to go on his solo career. And... Um, Okay, and then Meryl, you are uh, a talent agent mm. who wants to place him with your um, polka punk band, and he's coming in to discuss working with you. Okay. And what's Meryl's name? Oh, um, Sabina. Sabina. And three, two, one, scene. Hi, is this James? Yeah, yeah, Sabina. Yeah, this is um actually Sabina's assistant. Hold on one second, let me get her. Okay. Yeah, hello. Yeah, Sabina, it's James. Yeah, James. Okay, I I got Kanye coming in in like four minutes. I just wanted to tell you I really like your stuff. I saw that you left. You know, I know Simon Cowell said those terrible things about you. Don't listen. Uh, I got this polka punk band, the Pierogies, and we're wondering if you'd come out with us on tour. Yeah, but is polka really like at the level I want to play at? Oh, yeah, kids love it. It's huge on TikTok, you know, the ones and twos, whatever. It's great. We're, we're going to make it great. Yeah, but I, I think I'm kind of bigger than social media, don't you? Everyone does. It, James, you don't. You don't. I mean, I, I read the articles about you. I know the kind of the drama that happened on tour, you know, with you yeah, and that parent. Okay. Some of that was hearsay, though. Some of that didn't really happen. Well, no, we're going to make the polka punk movement happen, and I need you. And if you don't, I'm actually going to – I have some texts of yours that I'm going to leak. Well, you wait a minute, though. You just said Kanye's coming in. Like, couldn't I do something with him? Uh, let me ask him. Yeah, yeah. and he said no. He said hell no. But he's, he's open to the polka punk. You know, that might be his next album if you join us. Well, wait a minute, though. Can, can you tell Ye that, um, I, like, I believe in Jesus? Um. He actually said he he's Jewish now, so yeah, no. Hey, that's so weird. I too am Jewish. Okay, well that's you know what Jews love is the polka punk band, the pierogies. It's part of our culture. 
I just feel that's so like underground 90s. I don't see Yeah, that. that's what's back. Have you seen the no. Y2K movement, bro? Come on, where are you living? Okay, all right. So you feel like I can really trust you on this. Yeah, and, and uh, don't worry about the terms. Like, you know, with our agency, we do take 95%, so you're lucky to have that 5%. 5%? Wait a minute here. Like, ah, fuck, I shouldn't have fired my manager. What a fucking time for all this. Um... And <laughs> we got him. He signed. <laughs> I just want to commend both of you for that. That was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, I felt it. In the audience. He was about to sign on. Greg, you far exceeded my expectations for Aww. you. Greg is sweating. And, and Meryl, my expectations for, were for high for you, and you definitely met. met Thank them. you. Thank I you. definitely came in right beneath the whole me. bringing con. Bringing yay in and the whole G- Jesus Jewish thing, like that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Greg, you are the producer, director, and oh. uh, writer here. Come on, Greg. All right, um, Sandy, you're a female. No, Meryl, you're the Sandy, the female yep. rabbi. Oh, and um, Mark, you're Yitzhak. Who you want to convert to Judaism, and you're you know as old as you are now, and um, Sandy's letting you know you have to be circumcised, and it's gotta you know happen for you to become Jewish. Okay, you guys ready? And. And wait, Sandy, and like you can be asking him, you want to find out that is why does he want to be Jewish? Like what the, you know, especially in this current yeah. environment, you know, so you want to see, is this for real? Is there some underpinning things? Mm-hmm. All right. And go. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai <laughs> Hello? Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for seeing me. It's actually Rabbi Sandy, but thank oh, you. Okay, I'm so sorry. Rabbi Sandy. How, how did you come to be named Rabbi Sandy? Like, First of all, Shalom. It's Shalom. Oh, and Shalom. Second of all, um, that was the Instagram handle that was available to me. Got it. So that's what I took. How well, I'm I so glad you'll you'll see me because I, I'm I'm really I've had an epiphany. I got back from Coachella and it just kept gnawing at me every night. I I, I need to join Judaism. I I want to convert. Hold on, let me get out my files. Okay, exactly. What drugs did you take at Coachella? Um, I think it was just weed, pot, acid, Molly. Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, that's fine. I'm seeing this year we actually do have um we have like one opening for stone Jews, like the cocaine Jews are all out. Oh, I don't know. No, I don't like cocaine. Okay, now may I ask what do you know about Judaism so far? Well, I know that they're the chosen people um and that there's good reason for that. And uh as my understanding it from my esoteric studies is that uh, they're among if to to actually get into the kingdom of heaven at some point, I, I need to be part of Judaism. And um, I don't want to miss out on, you know, the party in heaven. 
Okay, now name your favorite Jewish old time singer. Barbara Streisand answers only. <laughs> uh, does Don Rickles count? Nope. Um, Matisse Yahoo. He's kind of a dick, but that's okay. That's good. He's horrible okay. in real life. Yep, that's okay. Does Bob Marley count? Because he's part of the third. Yeah, tribe. yeah, we'll take him in. Basically, anyone, if you, you know, secret to Judaism is anyone who's successful can be considered a Jew. Got it. You'll learn that quickly. Now, how do you feel about cheeseburgers? Well, I, I, I like them, but I, I don't know how to tell if they're kosher or not. Okay, you're going to have to give those up completely. Separately, you know, one week you'll be eating the burger, okay. one week is the cheese. Okay, okay. Uh, it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I'm really committed to this. Anything to stop these dreams that I have every night about becoming Jewish. Becoming Okay, Jewish. now the most important thing is, uh, how, how does your penis look? What? I mean, I haven't had any complaints. It's straight. It's not right. very big, but it's straight. Is there extra hooding? Are you picking up what oh. Rabbi Sandy saying? Is there, oh. you know, do you, um, tip, do you tip the waitress? Um, actually, I'm still wearing a hoodie. You're still wearing a hoodie. Okay, that's going to be an issue. What? Yeah, what does that, that mean? mean? That means Judaism, you're going to have to really, like, pull back all the layers. We snip the tip here. Have you heard what? of something called a bris? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, wow, that's quite a sacrifice. Um, I, I really want this. Can you do it now for me right here before I lose, lose out on, on my courage? Can, can you do it right now? I have been ordained to do it. Um, I do have, all I have is a blowtorch and I'm going to have to do it that way. We are not going to grab my stand breath. So silly. I just want to say, I just want to say to anyone who's Jewish, who happens to hear this podcast, that I have a deep love and respect for your spiritual practices and your culture and anything that I may have said that would have been offensive. I, I am sorry. And other than that, I, I have lots of friends who are Jewish. And, and I'm Jewish. Some so of my best friends are Jewish. That's one of those. That, yeah, I'm like, oh, you're taking me back to like what I was saying in 2020. And stuff about well, when stuff. you opened up with the prayer, I was like, oh, fucking. Yeah, God, come on. I'm Jewish and we have yeah. good senses of humor about everything. Yeah. Well, almost. But it seems like our political people are not so humorous. I know. Yeah, I know. We don't clear. I, I just like the neurotic entertainment shoes. Those are the, those are my type. I yeah. feel very insecure about my Germanic heritage right now. <laughs> See, our ancestors, this is all they would have wanted is for us to be like podcasting together and me blowtorching your penis tip. Oh, really? <laughs> I think we've developed a new OnlyFans channel. Honestly. Oh my gosh. People would love it. The blowtorch brisk. I like it. <laughs> That's the title of your next album. Damn. Um, So, how much of your Jewish culture is? Did you like uh, candle last night? No, I'm I'm a bad Jew. I think if I had more family out here, I'd probably be more involved. My my family on the east. You're an hour away. I'm two hours away, but I mean, now I need to get more involved. But growing up, I definitely was way more into the customs. I went to a little Jewish camp, which 
my German friend here. Don't get any ideas. But <laughs> <laughs> I went to the little JCC, the Jewish community day camp, and that was really fun. And I got I got kicked out of Hebrew school two times because one time I did sneak a, a cheeseburger in. <sighs> so were you raised kosher? No. Nope, nope. No, we were very like chill about it. We were not very like uh we would celebrate all of the like main holidays like Hanukkah and stuff, but not not super strict. Well, you are a tattooed Jew. Which is- I am tattooed. I have two tattoos. I've only dated non-Jewish boys. Even in like the Jewish camp, I managed to find the one boy there that was not Jewish. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yep. Oh, that's my, so my little shiksa boys. But yeah. So are your parents like my father um, at towards the end of his life really started leaning into his Judaism do you find that with your parents? Yeah, my dad definitely more so. My mom and I are kind of the same. We're like party time Jews, you know, if there's like food or some type of event that I'm like a party Jew. But my dad like uh, used to attend the Minion, like 10 people praying together. And then he would do a lot more of that. So he goes to, he observes more of the high holidays and everything. All right. Is it important to him about your Jewish life or is it really just? Like- no, I think they've given up on me in every way. <laughs> Even though they're supportive, like nothing. Now they're just anything I do. They're like, okay, you're like, you're like this close to being a shikster. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, no, they don't care. I think they would love if I married like a nice Jewish boy, but at this point, they're just, I mean, I'm a, yeah, yeah. Just live another day, Meryl. Just exactly. That's day. how they feel. Yep. All right. All right. Um, Look, I could play with you all morning, and I do have another commitment that is calling me. But there's a very important question that Mark and I ask of all our guests. Before we go there, are there some things that you'd like to shout out, give promotion to? Like, how can people find you? Obviously not with the post-culture, that website. Yeah, no, pre-canceled. <laughs> um, yes, well, first of all, thank you guys so much. I'm shouting out you guys and everything that Mark and Greg do because they're awesome and cool. And then for me, I would say, like, everything's basically on my Instagram, which is at Meryl, M-E-R-Y-L, and then Klemo, K-L-E-M-O-W. And then I have links to the L.A. Girl, um, a lot of my podcast stuff. If people are interested in knowing more, they can just message me about that. And then that's where I post all my stand-up stuff, too. All right. Cool. Cool. It was really fun hanging out with yeah, you. I, I, I just have good feelings about your career and what lies ahead. You have such a, a beautiful heart Aww. and an amazing intellect, and uh, you're freaking funny. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That is so sweet. I really, 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 really appreciate that. That's very nice. All right. So here we go. Eminem or Foo Fighters? Eminem for sure. <laughs> that was very clear. Eminem without a doubt. Wow. Foo Fighters, like, uh, I think that they're talented, but they actually give me a headache. Um, Dave Grohl, like, I, I really think he's cool, but, like, I see him and I get a migraine. I don't know why. All right. Uh, and I think they ritual sacrificed off their drummer, but that's just me. So have you seen the the film six 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 Studio six six six? No, I don't. I don't want to see it. Whatever it is, I don't need oh my that. God, you gotta watch it because that like, theory. Why are they putting out a six 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 video? Like that's you weird. Just, that you gotta watch it because I watched it and like three weeks later he was dead. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah it freaks me out. And yeah, yeah. I, I will say 
Forget it. Not All right, Meryl, um, thank you so much. Thank you. And even though Eminem's a clone, I was just going to say, I like Eminem and his clone version. They're both more talented than the Foo Fighters. Oh, my God. We are getting, we need to do another episode with you with conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. That's my number one love. Okay, okay. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. And if you're up in the Bay Area, please let us know. We definitely want to come out and support or just okay. have coffee with you. Cool. Thank you. I definitely will. Recording stopped.